Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome back. Um, so we're going to talk transfers now. Um, Josh, I'm going to start with you on this one. As a bare minimum, this week, how many players do Liverpool need to sign to put us in a very good position to challenge? To actually challenge for the title? Yeah. At least two, I think. I think you need another centre mid. Um, I know the line has been like a multifunctional player, but I, I would still like someone who leans a little bit towards the defensive side of the game, personally. Like I've seen links with Gravenberg, for example. I think he... I'm not overly sure he does that, I think... If, if anything, he would lean towards being a bit more of an expressive player who's attack-minded and wants to, wants to play and all that. I think we need a few more players who, uh, who are interested in what happens when we lose the ball and want to do the dirty work and carry the piano, basically. So I would have a midfielder along those lines and I think we need a centre-half as well. Ideally one who's left-footed, but considering like Canate's injured again, um, Massa will probably be able to do three of those shifts where he's covering that much ground and he'll pull a hamstring or something. So I think we need a, a right-sided centre-half as well, really. So, But any any kind of centre-half, really, for me, would, would be a massive benefit, I think, going into the rest of the season. But for me, it's two, I think, yeah. Um, Andy, what about you, mate? Yeah, I, I think I agree, at least two. Um, I've no doubt that uh, you know our first 11, if it stays fit, and we have that kind of fairy tale season, like we have in 13-14, where there are no injuries, more or less, um, you know that that they can do that. Van Dijk and Kanate can be a title winning centre half partnership for me. But as as Josh says, Kanate's injured again. We know what his injury records like. And one part, one thing that we didn't really mention in in, in part one was uh, the the performances of Matip and Gomez. He both played very well yesterday. But again, game situation. When else are they going to come into a situation where they're after their backs against the wall and it's okay to just sort of sit in? We need our centre half next to Van Dijk to be able to be comfortable going out to right back and engaging and going one-on-one and having that pace to play the high line and I'm just not sure Matip and Gomez, the way we usually play, are, are capable of doing it anymore. So I, I definitely think we need another one there and I agree with Josh, you know, the uh, an, an, another midfielder, absolutely. I don't mind really actually if it's a six or an eight or if it's defensive-minded or attacking-minded because you know, you could sign another eight and, and, and say, right, by Cedic, Thiago and, and Endo are your options at six. And you're taking a bit of a risk there in terms of how by Cedic develops and he, he keeps on that upward trajectory. But, um, you know, I, I, would, I would have no issue with a, a Gravenberg. I think that's, you know, from what I've seen of him, albeit it was a couple of years ago, and he does seem to have um, had a bit of a downward spiral in his career. You know, hopefully you can just find that sweet spot where you can revive him. And yeah, at least two. But um, yeah. I think there's going to have to be surgery in the, uh, defensively next summer anyway. You're probably going to have to do another one or two there. Mm. So, Dan, me and you have constantly heard and spoken to so many people over the course of the last three months about centre-halves and 
we've always sat there with a perplexed look on our face when the right side of the centre book was preferenced over right side of the centre back was preferenced over the left yeah. side of the centre back. Mm-hmm. Everyone seems to have swung now to left side of the centre back. They do, and and finally, um, I would say I've never, I say I never understood. Do I say this in fact? I do. We spoke about this morning, and when we kind of said a little while ago, it was a fifty-fifty split really amongst the fan base about people wanting a left or a right. I never got that. I, for me, it was a left was a no-brainer throughout the the entire time. Left side of centre back, left footed centre back. Ideally, one that can play left back and on the left hand side of a two. Of course, that that has to be the priority, and it remains the case, of course, for me. And I think. The right-sided one, and the point Josh makes is right in terms of Canate is the, the standard setter when it comes to that role. Certainly when we played a new system where Trent goes into midfield, nobody can do it like him. The problem is, of course, his injury record. I don't think he's put 10 games together forwards yet, which is a huge problem in itself. And the backups to him are Matip and Gomez. But you can get through with those three in my opinion, that's okay. It's probably more of a case of, like Andy alludes to, you can't do everything all in one window. It'd be nice to, but it's almost impossible mm-hmm. to. We're finding that out now the hard way, of course. I think that is something you can kick down the line. For me, the left-sided one isn't because we're only, I mean, we might be facing that reality now. With Virgil van Dijk suspended for the next game already, we're kind of scratching around for who's the ideal man to come and do that job. If we sign one, he's there, he's through the door. Now, that player... The left side of centre-back doesn't have to be someone who starts week in, week out because you've got Virgil van Dijk, you've got Andy Robertson for the left-back, but you want someone who can drop into that role. Now, I so much of this conversation remains based on what system Liverpool are going to play moving forwards. Now, again, yesterday, for the third time this season, we haven't seen us be able to incorporate our best system, which has meant some of our best weapons, Soberslein, McAllister, haven't been able to play their natural role. But most importantly, Trent hasn't been able to go into midfield and do that type of thing. Because when he does that, you know, Robertson becomes a left-sided centre-back. Now, I'm yet to have a conversation with somebody who tells me that Robertson is naturally a left-sided centre-back, because he just isn't. Therefore, for me still, I come back to the point and again, it, that's why it's always baffled me that anybody in their right mind would say we need the right-sided one. You need to sign the left-sided one because that's what Andy Robertson then becomes. And you surely want a more natural fit there. He's not He's not six foot one. He's not six foot two. He's not a left-sided centre-back. I don't see a world whereby we can move forwards with that personally. I love Andy Robertson, but his attributes aren't best suited to being that guy. The best of suit is similar to Nunes in a sense moving forwards, doing stuff in the final third, getting up and down that left-hand side, not being, I'll sit here, you go and do that stuff. That doesn't suit him. Josh? I completely agree, yeah. I think um, it's interesting how we've just let so many of these left-footed centre-halves move, though, this summer, without kind of getting involved. Like I've, I've been watching a bit of Spurs so far this season and mm. watching Mickey van der Ven. Who we were linked with. Yeah, who we were linked with. I think it's been really interesting just to watch him and see how differently he interprets that role compared to Robertson because he is proper less is more, you know, black boots, um, passing the ball to the man Sold. next to him, yeah. <laughs> passing the ball to the man next to him, doing the dirty work and then giving the ball to Son and saying, you're going to win us the game. And Robertson is is still at least 50% in that mould of, of Liverpool's creator and, and Liverpool, you know, he's still play, trying Hollywood passes and it's, it's impacting how frantic Liverpool's game is. Klopp's touched on that a few times so far and the press is about like Liverpool being a bit too harried with the ball, a bit too rushed, needs to relax, needs to put our foot on it. And I think it'd help if our left back slash left sided centre half was just a bit less Hollywood, a bit more like um you know, less is more and any any centre half really would be 
that yeah. in comparison to the high flying fullback that is Robertson and, mm. and and his nature over the past couple of years. So I agree. I think we need that kind of player. But whether we're gonna get that, I still think Klopp in his head is thinking midfield. Um, and with, and with the window set to close in a couple of days now, I think it's ambitious to to think that we're gonna get two. Hopefully we will. But um, is I mean the Chakarate rumours are persisting. Um, Andy, um, would he be a player that you you are comfortable with? And do you think Liverpool are really gonna spend sixty or seventy million on him? Is Decoré the Palace lad? Yeah. Mm. Um. <laughs> I don't. I don't um, Did I say Canate then? I think so. Apologies, yeah, I was, I, I was just wondering if it was a, a genuinely. <laughs> I think I might have typed it as well. To be honest with you, I'm pretty certain I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I was wondering. I thought you'd ask me a player I'd never heard of. <laughs> no, I, t- I have to be honest. You know, and I don't watch that much of Crystal Palace. Nothing's really uh, particularly wowed me about him. I, I could be completely wrong. And you know, I think your point, Josh, about the piano carrier. He, maybe this the player that comes in doesn't have to wow us. He, he's just someone who can who can sort of get it and give it, and, and a bit less is more, as you say, and, and give it to your Sobislies and your McAllisters and your your magic men up front. But um, you know, I'm I'm not averse to getting somebody like that in, but it's it, nobody else has really been linked to him have they and you know at, at that at that price I think because they know we have the money because it's late in the window because they can't replace him mm, I'm not sure it's something I'd be particularly uh, I'd be particularly buzzing about but it's probably better than, well it is better than nothing it would be better there's a lot there is a lot of people like Chloe definitely is is someone who's really high on Decore isn't she Dan mm-hmm. I mean she really wants to see us sign him I think Graven Birch is probably the one where I can put on me Liverpool owners hat on imagine it more yeah um perceived value in the transfer market sorry to say those horrible words yeah, has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you not though am i right am no, I, I, agree with you, yeah. Yeah. I agree with and, you and plus on that gravenberg is actually a longer standing target but yeah. that makes more sense the core to me would actually feel a little bit reactionary and we've had to do that in this window because what's happened with fabinho and henson of course and what happened with the caicedo and lavia those forbidden words you thought yours were forbidden oh, yeah. those forbidden words we had to react <laughs> and sort of bend and flex there we went and got endo because of that i'm convinced that's why we went and got endo just because we needed someone through the door quickly and within 24 hours he was playing against bournemouth so it actually makes a lot of sense but i don't think that the core they won I, I'm not sure where he was on the list. Where was the Gravenberch? We know we wanted him before he moved to Bayern Munich. So, albeit he's not a six predominantly, because he's not, he's an eight. He's an eight, you can actually play a little bit at a ten, but has done the six. He does fit the the progressive type and the multifunctional type and the one you can add to the squad. And all of a sudden, and I think this is what it is for me, my overarching feeling on it is, is you're just improving your odds of having a successful season by having somebody else. Because... To kind of touch on Andy's point earlier, when our best 11's out there, which we probably haven't seen yet, if truth be told, because of Canate's absence yesterday, when our best 11's out there, that best 11 can challenge in all four competitions that we're in this year. I'm certain of it. However, the minute you drop below that, the lads below it are actually okay, but there's issues with them all. Because you go to Thiago in the six, we know how injury-prone he is. Stefan Bajetic, still relatively unproven. Loads of talent, bags and bags of talent. I think he's going to be brilliant. Unproven has just been injured. And you go through and so on and so on, Curtis Jones injured, etc. Whereas if you add a Graven Birch, all of a sudden you've got this lad whose injury record's pretty good. You know, we know we've liked him for a long time. He's physical enough to come and do many different jobs for us. He's played in many different roles. You add in this 
this little gem of an X factor that I think can transform the way you look at your squad depth folders. You know when people do them squad depth charts, people love them on Twitter, you'll be well versed in these. <laughs> he suddenly I've never fits made in, one actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He suddenly fits into three stroke four of those roles if you do want to add an out and out ten, which I'm not sure we ever will. But that just changes the whole complexion of it. And I think it makes so much sense to go and do that bit of business. The core they are not as sold on for all the reasons you mentioned. I think the fee is massively inflated. I think that's Palace and, you know, credit to them and they should do this. It's them doubling down on the fact they don't want to sell him. It's too late in the window for them to sell him. Like we are with Salah in many ways, you know what I mean? We're not selling one of our best players now. That'd be insane. Charlie Barry from Toffee TV has just given up a 10 past three. Very Everton that was. <laughs> oh, yeah. We do that a lot. And just to finish on it as well, the, the price tag for Decore is just muddied by the fact that Rice, Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez before him have all gone for crazy money. And Palace have gone, looked at that and gone, oh, you're 115. Well, we'll add 20 onto ours then. That's all it is. And again, can't blame them for it. For us... I think that left-sided centre-back that I mentioned before and a multifunctional midfielder makes us a completely different proposition this season. Josh, I, I think that Liverpool are going to sign Andre after the transfer window, so January. I think that Liverpool are going to go big on Gravenberg and the centre-half. And I can see them apportioning the money accordingly for that, which might leave them quite a big sum of money for the centre-half. Mm. But I'm still not sure who the centre-half is. And also... Does one of these players have to be English? Because I'm sure after the Endo signing, we've only got one, or homegrown, sorry, not English, one homegrown player slot left. Yeah. That, that is a very tough place for Liverpool to be working in right now. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and if that's the case, I mean, if you're already looking at centre-halves and he's got to be left-footed, that already narrows the market massively. And homegrown. So you don't want to add the homegrown <laughs> to that. So in my opinion, you probably get the homegrown in your midfield somewhere. Rather than that, there or a young player like Gravenberch, who's still technically the under twenty one. Yeah, is he? Yeah, he's twenty one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a difficult puzzle in it to solve. But as I said, if you if you need to get one of these lads in who's homegrown, for me, you don't do that with your left footed centre back because there's already about five of them on the continent anyway. You know, so it's it's difficult enough to find them. Like, so if you add a homegrown thing to the mix, you've got like Levi. Lee, Lee, I always call him Leroy. Levi Colwell and, and nobody else, Mark really. Mark he's your one. Yeah, yeah. Mark is he left footed? Yeah, he's a good player. Is he left yeah? Yeah, Palace. He's yeah. just been linked to. He's just been linked to. Is it United yeah. today? He was linked to us previously in the summer. Yeah. yeah I'm, sure, I'm sure United, because they've been linked to loads of different left backs, aren't they? And uh, yeah. I think his name got through into the mix as well, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. I think one of the frustrating things with the decor, I think, as well, by the way, is the fact he moved 12 months ago. When yeah. we needed a midfielder, we just missed out on our top target. He goes to Palace for eighteen million. Mm-hmm. The lad who the the other lad who we linked with, who was on this shortlist, apparently Kamara, went to Villa for free. You know, it's 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 so frustrating. Lavia went to I mean City probably wouldn't have sold to Lavia anyway, but he went to Southampton for fourteen million. The, we were, we've been linked with all three of these this summer, mm-hmm. and Casado, who, who was the only one last summer who didn't move. And don't forget, we got offered Ronaldo. <laughs> Cristiano, of course, in two thousand and fucking one or something for seven million, and Rafa didn't fancy him. So if we're gonna go back there. We're gonna go back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it is right though. I, I mean, we've we've scouted all these players. That's the annoying thing. We've yeah, we them. hesitated last summer, and we're getting punished for it now. But, you know, three or four years ago, when we were maybe on the periphery of top four, or in the top four, and and getting the Champions League every season, and trying to go up to Challenge City. We were signing these players, we were getting in before they made the stepping stone and before they became the sort of 60, 70, 80 million pound players. We, you know, we took the Gamble and the Robertsons and the Wijnaldums and 
maybe Shakira didn't work out quite as well, but or, or, or Minamino, but you took the gambles and you know you got them just before they were about to explode. Whereas it feels like now because we have been challenging City at times in previous seasons that we feel like we need to sign the 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 the, the finished article or close to the finished article. And you know we know that FSG and we know that the uh, you know the owners and the, the the people in the transfer committee they want that perfect transfer. They want like McAllister's thirty five million is a perfect transfer yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. Sobaslight maybe a little bit bit more money than they would have liked to have paid but perfect transfer it's not that much and you know the problem is you know this whoever we get in at this point is not going to be perfect they're either going to have to pay over the odds for what they need or they're not going to quite get the finished article um but you know it's it's the reason like the likes of the andre one excites me is because you know you could be getting the caicedo before caicedo's made the move to brighton you know, for 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 well, was that for like four or five oh, million before he becomes yeah. the hundred and ten million player? That's what we need to do. That's what, like, you know, for example, uh, I think we're offered Enzo Fernandez as well. But you're obviously taking a risk on them coming out of South America. They might need a bit of time to to gel, or maybe we can't give them the minutes. I'm not I'm not quite sure the way around it, but I would like to see us more shopping in that that sort of market and taking a a couple more risks rather than going for you know someone who you know is going to be sort of maybe six or seven out of ten, but maybe like an Endo. But, you know, get someone in, nurture them, and they could be that 9, 10 out of 10 player. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Josh, I've got super chat uh, here from Neil O'Callaghan, and I'm going to come to you on a point. Um, so it's poor planning. Um, a game by management similar to last year. We're left short where we play catch-up to everyone else. We have the smaller squad, and we have not addressed this FSG's policies to blame. I think we've talked about quite a quite a bit of that. But one of the things that I think I want your take on, Josh, is that like you know we all know that Michael Edwards left the football club. We all know that Julian Ward left the football club. We all know that Ian Graham, who was the head of what was his actual title? Director of Research. Director of Research. We know Will Spearman stepped up into that role at Liverpool now. Are these guys being listened to and is it harder to do what Andy has said if you don't have the strong data team to lean into? It's it's really difficult to know from the outside. Um, like There's been question marks over like why Ian Graham and Edwards left both handing in resignation at the same time, essentially, and I, I think that one personally was just they've done the job and they've been there for ten years, completed the game, and now they're getting off and they want something new or they want to break or whatever. I don't think there's too much in that, but I do think since then, since since they left, 
David Woodvine's also left. Julian Ward's left. That was kind of FSG's edge. That was the FSG. That was the edge that we had in the market. It wasn't. It was never financial for Liverpool. It was always the expertise, the nous, the smartness, being a step ahead, head of the cave, and all that stuff. The the, the people who who were part of that team. It's now kind of been disbanded a lot, really, and it's now just kind of Klopp, Linders. Spearman's a great replacement for, for Graham, to be fair. Um, but it, f- it feels very Klopp and Linders and, and now Klopp's mate in, in George Schmadke. Um <laughs> I don't think that's that controversial to say that either because it's, it's quite... I think it's pretty obvious. Like, um, and I think... Uh, well, I think one of the interesting comments that Linders made recently, actually... I don't know if he said that in a press conference or in his book or something, but he defined Liverpool's recruitment approach as the academy and game changes. That was how he defined it. And that was it was never that, you know. It was never previously that. When we had this team of like Edwards and, and all this, that was never the approach. I don't know where, where where that's come in. As in like, you know, we, we, we get these players from the Academy and we go we go and sign June Jude Bellingham and there's no one in between. That's a sudden change, and, and, and so it does feel like Liverpool's recruitment approach has changed a little bit in the past mm. couple of seasons mm. through these people leaving and Klopp gaining power and Linders gaining a bit of power. And I don't think it's been a case of, like, you know, Klopp and Linders grabbing the keys and, and, and literally saying, you know, we're in charge now or anything like that. I think it's just been more of a natural shift, as in, like, this is just kind of the way it's gone now because of the, the power that Klopp's got, similar to Ferguson when he was at United and that. Mm. But whether it's for the better, it's difficult to say now um, because we, we just don't really know what the product is like at, at the minute of this new setup. We we saw a bit of that, I think, with the, the Casado-Lavia fallout. And I think if we've got a well, well-oiled well operation behind the scenes where everything is in place and that, I'm not sure we end up doing what we did, where we look a bit mad bidding for Lavia three times, not getting him, bidding for Casado 100 and odd million without agreeing personal terms and not getting him either. Then we go and get a lad who's thirty and has never played out of Germany in 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 Europe. So yeah, that's my assessment of the whole thing. It's difficult to determine how good we are at the minute because lots change recruitment wise. I listen. I've got no problem with with Klopp and Linders and Schmacker doing the deals and stuff. But I think for the long term future of Liverpool, the system that we had in place better protected us when Klopp, for want of a better yeah. term, hangs up his boots. Yeah, I agree. I think that, that that's that's the difficulty of it. Like that's that's the difficulty of leaning on this this almighty figure who to be fair, Klopp is in Liverpool. I mean he literally has the keys to the city now. You know, he he's that kind of figure and he's delivered the Premier League to Anfield for the first time in thirty years. So I can totally understand why FSG have potentially got to a point where it's like Jürgen, just solve it, mate. You know, you you do it. But he benefited initially at the start from having support around him and if we're going to hope to continue to compete at the highest level when he leaves, it, it'd be good to have that kind of Brighton structure in place where no matter who's poached, they are just replaced as another body and that the whole kind of organisation keeps going as it was going anyway, regardless of who leaves. But we are leaning more and more on Klopp and it, it's worrying in terms of like when he does the part, does it just crumble and, and we have to start again from scratch? Yeah. He does get, they do get some things right as well. You know, Linders and Klopp in terms of the players they're targeting. Like, I know uh, Gakpo is very much a Linders signing. I think mm-hmm. um, you'll know probably Dan better than me, but I, I'm pretty sure he came and um, and he said that's the one he wanted. Yeah. 
and you know that listen these two are intelligent uh, intelligent men you know they're uh, they can identify a good player when they see one what i suspect they don't have the time to do is sit and watch every single game across europe's top five leagues and the south american leagues and this that, and the other and you know reading pep Linder's book as well i remember they said when they when nunez came to anfield they just said you know if we go for a striker we go for him that was that was what klopp said to the Landers, so they do seem to have that power, and we know that from like previous things. You know, Salah wasn't necessarily first choice. Um, there were a couple of others. I think we we tried to sign Götze beside, uh, before. I, I can't. I think that was uh, Salah. Matt, Salah before, and Julian Brandt and Brandt, 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 and yeah, yeah before Mane. I don't think Mane was first choice either. So you know, that 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 team they had behind them was was, was so so good. It was the best in the business, and it had to be the best in the business because we aren't we can't spend the you know we can't spend the money that state uh, state owned clubs are spending. I think we should be spending more. Don't get me wrong. This isn't me defending the owners uh, in any way, shape, or form. I don't think we do enough, but we know we can't do that. So we do need to be able to ident- be the best at identifying who's that player who's just about to explode. You can get in for sort of 30, 40, 50 million and they become an 100 million pound player, which which we've been the experts of over the last 10 years. But my, my concern is just the identification of this player. Now it has the brain drain of the the geeks behind the scenes for want of a better word has is that gone now are we as good as identifying those players and if we're not then it will just become a game of money where city are spending twice the uh twice and you know newcastle and chelsea are spending twice the money that you're spending and they're getting twice the player because without that leveler uh, you know i think we're in a bit of trouble really tough. i've got a question for you really tough question here for you from super chat from aaron garza uh dan I'm um, sorry for being an absolute shit house on this one. Can't wait. Uh, it's coming straight to you. Uh, depending on how the rest of the window goes, yeah. when would it be okay to say FSG is cheap rather than smart in the market? <laughs> Why did I know you were going to say that? Um, <laughs> I think I think this time next week. To be honest, I really do. I think <coughs> I think I think it's okay to say they're cheap now. Well, no, because I, I I like to reserve judgment while the window's still open. Personally, because if we sign the midfielder and the the left side of centre back that I think we need and the ones I want us to sign between now and Friday's deadline, then I'd be stupid to sit here and say we've we've got it wrong. I think if we don't get those two players in, we will have left ourselves short to sort of talk about what I went went on about earlier in terms of I think we just improve our odds of having a successful season massively by signing those two players. At the minute, it's a huge gamble and it's gambles that we've took before. Obviously, the COVID season, we lost all our centre-halves and last season when we were short on midfielders, we've taken those gambles, they backfired dramatically and they haven't worked. We can't do it again, in my opinion. We can't take another gamble and leave our squad short on numbers, quality, whatever else. If we're sat here this time next week, it will be a really disappointing window. And FSG will have underinvested in us. They won't give us enough money. But the problem with that is, and it's eating away at the back of my mind, is they clearly felt like Caicedo was worth the money. And he was the answer, wasn't it? I I don't know how much of a red herring that is, I will say, because that 111 million, I've had it said to me before that they were willing to spend that because it was Caicedo. There's not necessarily that money in the budget and we're not going to see us spend that. We should do, in my opinion, because that money clearly exists somewhere because we were willing to spend it on a lad from Brighton. So... I some people will see that now as the benchmark. I think we're going to in a minute, so I won't go too much into detail. But some people see that as we have to spend that money. I'm not entirely sure that's the case, but we do have money to spend. And therefore, if it's Klopp or if it's Schmadko, whoever else, sort of looking at the rest of the market and saying, don't want him because of X reasons, or almost like we can't get him out of there because they don't want to sell him, whatever, then you'd understand that. But I honestly believe, and I'm not one to say this sort of thing very often, but I think if we're sat here next week and we haven't, 
been able to sign another footballer, then huge questions will have to be asked about what exactly we're doing, whether it be from the top or whether it be from the likes of Klopp, Schmadko and Linders, because something's gone wrong there. Because whoever's seen our situation and seen our squad and gone, that's fine. They're wrong. They'd be absolutely wrong. And I, I just want to touch on something Josh said earlier, and he's right. Because Jürgen Klopp always heralded the fact that he had the best in class around him. He lauded Michael Edwards for his role in the success and stuff like that. And Julian Ward when he was out at the time as well, in terms of them two as a partnership. Not necessarily Julian Ward's tenure as a solo, because that didn't really happen, did it, to be honest. But I wonder now, does Klopp want all this power? Like, is that does he want to be the guy making all the decisions? Because he was so enamoured with the fact that he had all these brilliant people around him, the best in class, making all these decisions. And they were working as a team to get things right. He almost... He almost reluctantly took some of the praise, but now all of a sudden it's like, oh, go on, Jürgen, you okay. saw it. It feels mad to me. I, okay, I've got, a, I've got a theory on this. It might be complete bullshit and, and whatever, but like, if you have the best in class and they leave and then it's not best in class, you might do something about it. So what I mean by that is if you, you've you worked with Julian Ward for a few years, but he's never been the guy and you've worked with Ian Graham for years, but then the next guy steps up and he's not best in class because he's mm-hmm. not Ian Graham, and Julian Wood's not best in class because he's not Michael Edwards. You might then go, actually, well, I'm I'm not working with the best in class anymore. Mm. It's you know it's not it's not an easy thing to talk about this stuff. But he might just think they're not as good. Yeah, possibly. But I I, I don't know. I, I think we have to get back to again to riff off what the lads are saying. We have to get back to being that way about it and sort of getting our getting our behind-the-scenes recruitment in place because Brighton are the absolute perfect example of this. They've lost countless footballers in recent times, including one they've just done. Obviously, the result at the weekend didn't go to plan, but they're going to be no worse off losing Caicedo, it looks like. They're just going to go again. And Same that's was the, when they lost Basuma. And mm-hmm. more, more to the point, in my opinion, this is kind of the, the more poignant point when it comes to Wolves and Klopp and stuff. When they lost Graham Potter, it didn't matter. Yeah, they brought they had the management set up to go but, and but, get but the, deserving. The thing is, when, when Liverpool started to lose these key figures... That was the narrative that came out. That was the line that, like, the Liverpool beat was given. As in, like, it doesn't matter, you know, even if Klopp leaves or whatever. The the big thing is that the infrastructure is in place. Hmm. That was the that was the line, and that's no longer there. That's no longer there. A lot of the people have left, so they can't now push that line. So, is there now an expectation? Is there now an onus on on FSG to to rebuild that, or is this new Liverpool reloaded that Klopp's referenced? A completely different structure, not only on the pitch mm. but off the pitch as well and behind the scenes. Um, like going back to the FSG stuff, like one of the things I've always found frustrating is, and I probably get pelters for this, but there's always been this narrative that Klopp is locked away in a bathroom crying his eyes out because FSG won't fund him. And for a lot of it, right, that might be the case, but I also think you can throw in there there's been a lot of transfer decisions that have been footballing decisions inside the Liverpool recruitment room and who's determining whether we should or shouldn't move like say for example last summer when we didn't get Tuamini that seemed like a Klopp decision to keep Milner, give Milner a new contract we go and get Nunes instead or or dedicate the money there or whatever we can go again with the midfield because I like Henderson, I like Milner, I want them to stay around and that felt to me like a footballing decision even though we bid whatever it was, sixty million for Tumani or whatever, we just kind of kept hold of that. Same with Bellingham. We we had the money there for Bellingham, didn't get him. We still apparently got that there by the looks of it. We've got we've just tried to bid hundred not for Casado. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying the owners are funding Liverpool to an acceptable level by any means, because I do think they need to put more in. But in terms of 
every footballing decision, every transfer decision. I just wonder how much of it is FSG not covering up the dough, how much of it is a footballing decision inside the room where Klopp's like, no, we need to keep a path open for percentage or, you know, no, we need to let... Because people were calling for, like, a right-back, for example, when Trent was still 18. Mm-hmm. You know, people were still calling for a striker when Firmino was still getting to grips with the nine shirts because he's not a proper goal scorer and all that. So I just wonder over the years how much, you, and especially now, how much of it's a football decision, how much of it is we can't afford. I, th- I think it's a strategy that, that, that possibly just doesn't work when there's state-owned clubs running around with an unlimited pot of money. You know, our strategy beforehand worked well, but now you're at the point where if if, if we're going to improve, we do need to buy ready-made players. And, you know, they feel like they can, well, rightly or wrongly, they feel like they can't do the Robertsons, the Wijnaldums and, and, and those players that you're taking a little bit of a gamble on, but hopefully they're about to explode. You know, I, I sort of think they don't really know what they are. Are we the Brighton who get those players in or, you know, are we the, the Man City who only buy in proven players? The problem is if you buy the proven players, you have to, more or less, most of the time, unless you get a, a, a glory deal like McAllister, you have to you have to cough up the money for it. And on the £111 million, I, I don't think they, you know, they have to go out and spend every penny of that £111 million because it's there. But what I do think it now removes their, their, their right to say to Jurgen Klopp is, you know, say Jurgen Dahls want Ducure and they value him at £60 million and Palace say 80 I don't think you can leave a short there. I think you have to suck it up because mm. the strategy's mm. just been so wrong. My my thing with the the, the the 111 million thing is, and and with Liverpool's strategy all summer long, and I've said this on various shows, is they've got it wrong whether they sign the players in the next week or not for me. And that I think that's right. pertinent. Is you can buy the centre half, you can buy the DM now or another midfielder. You should have done it fucking two months ago. That's the you have not given Liverpool the best foundation for success this season, and that's. That I don't think. I, listen, it might be FSG, it might be the football and people. I'm not trying to pin it on anybody. Liverpool, all encompassing Liverpool, have got it wrong because they didn't sign the players to give Klopp on the first of July when they go back into training. Mm-hmm. That's what the problem was last summer. We didn't get the players in that we needed to get in. We're repeating the mistakes this summer. That is really hard to 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 get over, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm I'm like you. I I don't think. It is particularly easy to 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 run a buy to sell, a sell to buy model when you stop selling players. I don't think you can fucking do it. You've got to sell your Mo Salas for one hundred and fifty million quid. You've got to sell your Fabinho's for forty million quid when the offer comes in, whether it's high enough or it's not high enough. But you can't let it disrupt your season, and that's what Liverpool have done mm. this year for me. And you know we might try to absolute whale beaters, and I look like a tit, but it still wouldn't have been the best foundations for success as far as I'm concerned. Um, and my laptop's about to die here because we've waffled on for so long. So I'm just going to quickly talk about Piero Hincape because there seems to be a lot of talk about the Leverkusen centre-half. Now, Dan, is this a, a signing that you think that Liverpool should move for? In terms of profile, yes, 100%. I'm not going to sit here and profess to know everything about the lad, but I've had some decent conversations about I spoke to Kevin Hatchard about him last week, and he he was a big fan, actually. He said you get all the usual sort of weaknesses and flaws that you get with a young defender. You know, he's only 21. He's played a decent amount of footy for somebody so young, but what oh, is... Oh, so he'd fit into the non-own ground as well. As well. Yeah, he's actually got 27 Ecuador caps, which is fascinating to me at that age. But what was interesting, most interesting about him is the fact that obviously he's by Leverkusen and Xavi Alonso. 
but he's played almost a 50-50 split of left-back and centre-back. Yeah. And that, to me, is probably the most appealing thing. Like, the minute I seen that, I was like, okay, where does he sign? Um, but <laughs> in terms of his ability and in terms of what he offers, he was actually quite complimentary. He said he's good on the ball. He can offer that sort of thing. He's not an Andy Robertson, which I actually think is a, is a bonus for what we're looking for, quite frankly. is a bit more simplistic in what he tries to do with a footy. Um, he's aggressive in the tackle. He'll go and win balls. He's quite, quite physical, quite dominant. He's very athletic. So... In terms of profile, yes, he ticks a lot of boxes. What I didn't like so much from the conversations I had over the weekend was the fact that Leverkusen got like 70 million euros for him. That was a little bit eye-opening. But that, again, and it kind of kind of referenced what you all talking about a second ago in terms of leaving it too late. It's because it's so late in the window. Yeah. Leverkusen and Xavi Londo have made plans, Europa League plans, to have him part of their team. So, all's going knocking on doors now. We're going to get teams turning around and adding money onto it because that's where we're at. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.